Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, you guys got me wiping tears from the, the time we started worship till, you know, some people say that the, that the church is dead and we don't want to go to church because what's the point in going into those buildings? And as I sit here and, and we worship and I'm thinking about all the time and effort spiritually that goes into these men and women that lead us in worship. And then you hear the testimonies where, uh, you know, we're not, I'm not personally involved in everything that's going on, so I get to hear it a lot of times like you guys get to hear it. These women are out there ministering to people and touching their lives, and we're going to be going out and, and handing out prayer requests, and uh, there's communion bread being made when the rest of us are, are hanging out, enjoying our weekend, and I just feel like uh, there's no place like home, man. The church, this is just one of many, many churches. Last night, uh, it was about midnight, and I messaged a friend of mine named Nicholas. He leads a, a ministry in London. And I was thinking to myself, it's midnight here, it's 8 o'clock there. They're getting ready to go into church and worship God. All over the world, people are worshiping God because the church is alive. Amen? Amen. So I'm excited about uh, service today, as, as I always am. But I want to kind of just jump right into it. Um, and see what God might do. This morning we start a new series. Uh, pretty much all the time when we, when we get into a new month, we uh, typically start a new series. So here we are in uh, March. And the series that we're entering into is titled, Rest in Peace. <laughs> Rest in Peace. I promise that this series is not going to be morbid and depressing. <laughs> Especially after coming out of our February series, our series was titled Breakthrough. And we looked at all these different types of breakthrough and areas we need to break through and, and breakthroughs that God provides for us. So we're definitely not going to be depressed uh, in the month of March. I want you guys to have faith. I want you to be patient and trust and see that, uh, that God has something for us this month. What I want to do is lay a foundation for why we're starting this series, Rest in Peace, and where I believe that the series is going to take us. So uh, yesterday, many of you know we had a friend of ours, family friend of ours, Mary and I, that, that had a seizure about just over a month ago. She was in a coma for four weeks, and then just about a week ago, she passed away. I believe she was 42 years old. She had a 39-year-old husband, no children, went into a salon one day and didn't walk out of the salon. All right? So yesterday, we had her funeral. That's, that's diadem. I'll leave that up there for us, right? That's Diadema, and we had our funeral yesterday, and I don't want you guys to take this the wrong way, but it was literally the best funeral that I've ever been to. 
you know, we all mourn the loss of our friend and then we look at our brother who's still here and we're mourning for him because he's literally left behind um, uh, to kind of try to pick up the pieces. But everybody was laughing and everybody was telling stories and one after another people would get on this microphone and, and share things that they experienced with this woman and how she impacted everybody and how she imparted things into our lives. And it's a lot like when you have a relationship with the Lord. If you've ever heard somebody talk about Jesus and you know Jesus, it's like, hey, how are you talking about my Jesus like that? How do you know him? It was like that. People would talk about her and we're like, man, I know her too. And you're telling the truth about who she was. She imparted joy into people's lives and laughter and faith and encouragement and all these different things. And uh, I just thought about what that experience was like for many of us. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, the Bible says, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and when this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? So as we enjoyed ourselves at this funeral and we ate and we laughed and we talked, this is a scripture that came to mind because it says uh, death is swallowed up in victory. Death had no victory yesterday in that service. Death had no sting yesterday in the funeral service that we were a part of. And it was a joy to see the, the truth of the word of God being able to be experienced in the life that we're actually living. A lot of people come to church and they hear the word of God, but they don't experience it in reality. So while her passing... Uh, had a significant impact on myself and on my wife, on our family over this, this last month. Um, it's not really the reason why we're starting this series and why we're going into this Rest in Peace series, but that scripture really does lead us down the road of where I think we're going to go. Wednesday nights here, we, we do a Bible study, and right now we're in the book of Hebrews, and we're seeing Jesus in this unique light uh, and it's awakened something in my spirit. You can read the Gospels and you can see Jesus, but read through Hebrews if you've never done it before. And you see him in a way similar to Revelation where most people see him as, as the lamb and you get into Revelation and you get to see him as the lion, right? Most people see him as the one who comes alongside of us and comforts us. Read through Joshua, you see him as the one with the sword, right? So in Hebrews, we're seeing him in this unique and different light, and we're only halfway through chapter 3. we got 10 more chapters to go. <laughs> but I want to share a little bit of, of, of some of the things we've seen in, in Hebrews and, and why we're going into this Rest in Peace series. Hebrews 1.1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. It starts off Hebrews telling us that we have the whole Old Testament and God would speak to prophets and they'd share this stuff with men and women. And it says now he's speaking directly through his son, Jesus Christ, to us. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, it says, we see Jesus. He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. In chapter 2, we see that he came down out of heaven, made lower than the angels to be a man, just like you and I are men and women. It says, why did that happen? That he could taste death for everybody. He's tasted it for you. He's tasted it for me. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who who through fear of death were all their lifetime 
subject to bondage. So not only has he tasted death for us, right? He destroyed the devil and he disarmed him from this power that he would wield over us that we were afraid to die. We're afraid to sacrifice our finances. We're afraid to sacrifice our time to make bread or to go minister to women or to do anything that's not directly beneficial to us. It says that Jesus comes down and he just disarms the enemy of that power. He can't wield it over us. He can't uh, lord it over us. He can't make us live like you hear people saying, you only live once, go do whatever you want to do. We don't have to be afraid of only living once. We have eternity. Jesus does all these things for us. Last one. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18, it says... To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So the reason we're starting this series, this Rest in Peace series, is because there is a promise that remains for us that there is a rest that our souls are longing for. I don't know about you, but I need rest. My soul is longing for rest. And what the scripture says, Hebrews chapter 3, right into uh, verse 18 through Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says there's a promise of rest that we can enter into. But I don't know very many people who have found it. I know people who are stressed out. I know people who are tired. I know people who are angry. I know people who are frustrated. I don't know very many people that you run up on me and say, hey, man, you look rested. Sister, I don't know what it is about you. There's a glow. You just look rested. Somebody ran up on me today and said, man, you look tired. I was like, come on. <laughs> so that's why we're uh, starting this series. But I told you not only why we're starting it, but I want to tell you where I think it's going to lead us. So these four Sundays that we have in March to get into this Rest in Peace series, right? We're going to wrestle with some things and get into some things. Uh, and wouldn't you know the first Sunday of April is Easter. Somebody say amen. amen. So the rest that I believe we're going to find in this series throughout March, I believe is going to lead us to the peace that we can only find at Easter. So we're going to rest in peace. Amen. amen. All right. I think that there's a rest for us. It transcends the, transcends the laws of nature, transcends the laws of science, transcends common sense. It transcends your past experience. Like many of us have past experiences that have convinced us that we'll never be able to rest. We'll never be able to have peace. We'll never get through what we've done in the past and what's been done to us in the past. That's a lie from the enemy. The rest and the peace that we can experience is from God, the one who resurrects on Easter, right? the one who overcomes anything that this world can throw at you. Philippians 4, 7 puts it this way, the peace of God surpasses all understanding and it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I hope many of you begin to find that this morning if you haven't already. Why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you to be in your house this morning. We thank you that you have a word for us. We thank you that not only is there rest for our souls, but there's a peace that we can experience right here, right now. It's not afar off, Lord. It's close to us. It's near to us, Lord. Help us to just remove whatever it is that distracts us. Help us to remove whatever it is that is holding us back. We know that you've come, that you've been made a little lower than the angels, Lord, that you suffered death, you tasted it for us, Lord God, but you did that for a reason and for a purpose. You have disarmed the enemy. If we remain bound, it's not because we can't be free, Lord, it's because we don't understand the freedom that you've already provided for us, Lord. Let us step out from underneath the control, Lord, of our enemy. 
Let us understand that although he seems to be strong and he seems to be powerful, Lord, he has truly been disarmed, not by us, but by you, Lord God. Let us walk into that freedom. Let us walk into that rest. Let us experience peace and not just be a people who talk about it, Lord. Let it not just be a pipe dream that's so far in the future that we can't live today with hope and with vision, Lord God. We believe this morning that there's many things you want to do, Lord, that you're capable of touching every heart in this place. You're capable, Lord, of changing every life, Lord, in some way. Let us not leave out of this place the same way that we came in, Lord. Let us encounter you, Lord God. Take us deeper as we sing and we worship you this morning, Lord, where our feet may fail, Lord God. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So I got another picture for you, and this is the picture I want you to keep in mind. There's this, uh, this cross here. Um, when I was preparing this series and, and beginning to, to prepare for this message, I had this vision of like these five different locations that we're going to be able to go to, one every week, one for every message. But at the end of the day, just like uh, the string or the yarn that you see there, they're all leading to the cross. You Every one of us came from somewhere today, and every one of us has some issues and some drama and some fatigue and some exhaustion for different reasons. But at the end of the day, just like these five weeks of these, these services, I believe that they'll lead us to the cross. We'll all make it to the same place if you stay the course. If you know where it is that you're trying to get to, you have a pretty good chance of getting there. Many of us don't know where we're going. We don't even know what we're trying to accomplish. I think uh, God has something for us. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, God says this to Moses. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Say rest. rest. Say rest. rest. God says, Moses, listen, we have somewhere to go. We're leaving one place and we're going to another. My presence is going to go with you. And I'm not just going to walk you until you die. I'm going to give you rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus is speaking to a multitude of people, not just his disciples, everybody in the building like I am this morning. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Say rest. Oh, uh, no, that ain't the, oh, dang, good Lord. <laughs> Say rest. rest. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's alive in here. He says, come to me, all you who labored are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, don't go to your friends. Don't go to your homegirl. Don't go to your homeboy. Don't tell them what you're going through and all your drama. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. All they're going to do is give you bad advice. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the Old Testament, God says, I'll go with you. In the New Testament, Jesus says, come to me. <laughs> Just come to me. Are you an Old Testament believer who thinks that you're being drug around somewhere, trying to meet all the requirements of God? Or are you a New Testament believer that says, as long as I go to Christ, he'll take care of everything and give me rest? Why do we continue to go away from God, even though time after time we find ourselves exhausted? We never seem to find the rest that we desire. And we never come to the one who says he can give it to us. So this week, week number one of our Rest in Peace series, the title is Dying Poor. <laughs> it's getting better and better. <laughs> You're like, where did I go today? 
Dying poor, week number one. Poor stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly. We've been doing financial peace for like three years and you ain't been yet. Passing over opportunities repeatedly and you're still poor. We've been having Bible study for years and you still say, I don't understand the Bible. Show up. We've been having prayer week after week, month after month, and you still say, I can't pray. I lose track of time. I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I can't even say grace. I love that Jackie was here before, and I remember she cried. She couldn't even get through a testimony a couple years ago. She got up here today, and she ministered to us. Amen. You know why? Because she's not going to pass over opportunities repeatedly. She's going to step out and take a risk and let God do something in her life. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Number one, we're poor because we don't mix the word we hear and the word we read with faith. That's what the scripture means. It says, listen, everybody heard the same message. Everybody watched the same show. But some people looked at it and said, I believe that God can do something in this for me. And other people looked at it and said, it's just another message. It says it ain't going to profit you if you don't mix it with faith. Earlier, Hebrews chapter 3, we learned the consequences of disobedience and unbelief means you don't get to enter into the rest. If you don't listen to God and you don't have faith to believe that he can do something, you will not find rest. You got to mix it with faith. You got to have some obedience. You got to do what God tells us to do. Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." All right? It pleases God to rest you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to break your back. God wants to give us rest, and it pleases Him. But if we won't be obedient and we won't have faith, He can't just give it to us. It's not even that he has to give it to us. Here's a better way of saying it. We refuse to enter into his rest because of disobedience and, and faithlessness. He says, it's right there. It's right there. You can have it. It's restful. It's peaceful. There's, my, my burden is easy. You'll be happy right there. All I need you to do is come to me. All I need you to do is believe that there's actually rest for you there. And we say, I'm not going to come to you. And I don't even believe that that rest exists. I'm smarter than those other people who are acting like they're rested. I'm going to be out here working myself to death. <laughs> the Hebrews 4 scripture goes on. It says, we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If Joshua had given them rest, he would not afterward have spoken of another day, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. So the disobedient, the faithless, don't enter into the rest, right? 
God says that he made that place of rest before the foundation of the world. It's waiting for us, right? And they were poor. They passed over the opportunity for 40 years in the wilderness, day after day, week after week, year after year. God says, there's rest. There's a promised land. It's right here for you. And they remained poor. They passed over that opportunity again and again and again. In the, in the creation story, God says he created everything in six days and on the seventh day he rested. Right? It's the same thing for us. He says there's a seventh day rest for you. You're not made to just work and work and work and work without rest. Not only physically, but spiritually we're not made that way either. I watch people, you know, come in on Saturday and clean the church and labor. I watch our, our, our families that minister to our youth stay here on a Friday night and sleep here with a bunch of stinky teenagers. <laughs> I watch worshipers come in and practice. I watch children's church teachers. I mean, they're worn out with your kids. You're worn out. That's why you come to church so you can leave them for two hours. <laughs> and they're not even theirs and they got to take care of them. You know what I mean? Like we get worn out, but God didn't make us to just work and work and work. What he says is, yes, there's some labor involved in this, but I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Spiritually, we cannot keep up with all the requirements here. You can't do it. You can try if you want to. But please take my word for it. You can't do it just like I can't do it. So what we have to do is say, God, if I can't do it, where can I find rest? (laughs) Where can I find hope? Where can I find help? What a lot of people do is they say, well, forget it. I'm just going to throw religion out the window or... Because I don't want to throw it out the window completely. I'm just going to have a pseudo-religion where I act a fool and then pretend like I'm a Christian. I don't think any of those are good options. I want the rest that's accompanied with the peace of God. These verses, they say that even though the disobedient died in the wilderness, the obedient and the faithful, they came in with Joshua and they went into the promised land and it says that they thought there was going to be rest there and there wasn't rest there either. (laughs) They didn't get what they were longing for, what they really wanted. Verse 9 says, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And that's the rest. That's the rest and the peace that we're going to be searching for in this series. If you're tired, I know a lot of Christians don't like to to say these kind of things, but we get tired of serving God. It's not because we're serving God. It's because we're, we're really focused on serving people. And people are jacked up. Parents don't like to say this, but you get tired of parenting your kids. When I heard Chuck E. Cheese, I was like, how many hours? We'll drop them off early. We're going to be the last ones to pick them up. We're tired. That job, you know they give you a check every week and every two weeks. And for some reason, you show up tired. They're paying you to be there. They're making sure you have gas in your car and food on your table and clothes on your back. What is it within us that still says, man, I'm tired? We should wake up like we don't even need coffee. Let me get to work so I can get some money. We are a people who are tired. But there's rest and there's peace that God affords us. But we're too tired to seek him for it. We're too tired to say, Lord, show me how to get that rest. Because I don't find it here. We think next year's vacation is going to be when you find the rest. You think when you get a man, he's going to help you and you're going to be rested. He's going to put more burdens on you. (laughs) You think when you get a woman, oh, she's going to take care of us and there's always going to be food and laundry. Come on, man. 
That is a facade. Those things don't exist. If you want rest and you want peace, you got to put your hope in Jesus. Last little verse of uh, Hebrews 4 says, He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So there is a rest. It does exist. We can enter into it, and it says the way you're going to find it is through the word of God. If you're tired, if you're exhausted, but you don't have a Bible and you don't read it, please plan on continuing to be tired and exhausted. You pull out that Bible at night, what happens to all of us? You pull it out and <laughs> you wake up, there's just slobber, the ink's running. Oh, God, that was such a good time with you. It was like osmosis. <laughs> it just, it's in me right now. <laughs> What the Bible says is, listen, all those weapons that you've been using, that you've been trying to use to be victorious, right? You're trying to overcome anger. You're trying to overcome lust. You're trying to overcome um, our language. We're trying to do all these things. We're using every weapon we have, every friend we have, anything we've heard that worked for somebody else. We, we're, we're chewing the gum. We've got the patch. We've got the anything we can to try to be victorious. God says, listen, it ain't going to work. But where those things fail my word will succeed. <laughs> Where those things are not strong enough, my word is definitely strong enough. He says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. You take out whatever sword that you could find, right, and you try to chop off those areas of your life that you don't want alive anymore and those things that you don't want to experience anymore, right, and it's just not good enough. God says, my word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can literally separate soul and spirit, right? If it can do that, it can also separate the people that we are from the people that we want to be, right? The things that we do, right, can be separated from us by the word of God, and we can become who he's called us to be, right? That flesh that kills us can be separated from the spirit that gives us life, but there's only one way to get it. This morning, what needs to be put to rest in your life You've all got a life just like I got a life. There's some things that need to be slayed. There's some things that need to be put to rest so that you can have life. Some things need to die so that you can have life. You can have peace. <clears throat> what opportunity have you been repeatedly passing over? What error are you just broken? You're poor because you have an opportunity, but you just pass over it time and time again. This morning, I think it's fitting on, on uh, how to look at this through baptism. We know we have some people here who are part of this church, and they're going to be getting baptized in just a little while here. Amen. But what's the real significance of baptism? Is it friends and family and a celebration? We did it. I got up early and I went. I saw it. I took a picture and everything. Is it about placing a stake in the ground for those who are getting baptized saying, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that Jesus believes in me, and he loves me, and today is the day where I tell the whole world that I'm with him. 
Maybe it's about the perfect Facebook post. <laughs> Believe me, we're going to try to post one. It's going to be perfect. When you come out of the water, we're going to say, do it again, do it again. You've got to flick your hair more. <laughs> click, 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 click. And then you put it on Facebook. Look, do you see the sun shining through the building? Right on their face? <laughs> Think about it for a minute. Why are you here today? Is it for those things, or did you expect to encounter the living God? Yes, amen. So many things we do, they don't lead to peace and they don't lead to rest because we are, we are not focused on the right things. You can get all those other things, and, and they're not necessarily bad things, right? It's a joy to be able to testify to who God is and what he's done in your life and what part of your walk you're in with him. Right? And where he's doing some of those things. All that is great. But some people are living off of that and not living off of encountering the living God. Amen. Eventually, the water is going to dry off. And eventually, those people that came to support are not going to be there to support anymore. <laughs> eventually, people are going to forget about all your posts that you made. And if you don't know the Lord, believe me, you won't have any peace and you won't have any rest. It's inevitable. Talk to anybody. Anybody who's been a believer has experienced loss, has, has failed people, and people have failed them. The people who said, man, I'm going to always be there. They're not always there. We do it to each other. It's just a, it's a reality. Jesus says, when you're unfaithful, I remain faithful, which means you can always have peace because he's always there. You can always find rest, even in the worst of circumstances and situations. At the core of baptism is rest and peace. At the core of baptism is death and resurrection. It's the end of one life and it's the beginning of another. Right. It is not a show. It is not a dunking. It is not a family affair. It is, this is over. I put it to rest. It is dead. And now I'm raised in newness of life and I have peace and I have hope. I have a new life. I don't have a old life that's been washed. I have an old life that has died and a new life that has been born. If you came for something less than that, you have to get that somewhere else. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 puts it like this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's baptism? 
as I'm thinking about these people who are going to get baptized and we're calling each other and texting each other and asking questions and I'm praying for them, I'm expecting things to change. They wouldn't be getting baptized if a whole bunch of things didn't already change. But please believe me, what I read in the scriptures is that some more stuff is about to change. There's some death and some resurrection. There's some rest and some peace. There's some hope and some joy. There are some people that should say, man, I'm not even going to address them the same way that I used to address them. Because they're going to be different people. And I'm not going to be offended if they respond to me differently because they're not the same person. The struggle is that many of those who, this type of baptism, what God actually says and offers to us, this peace and this change and transformation and resurrection, those people are changing, but many of us are staying the same. That's what causes the struggle between us and Christians. (laughs) Why are you being all Christian, bro? (laughs) It was just a text. Why you got to get all offended? (laughs) Because I'm different. That didn't used to offend me, but it offends me now. I didn't have a problem watching that, but I can't watch that anymore. There's something different in my heart. There's something different in my mind. When it used to come into my eyes and hit an old, dirty mind and an old, dirty heart, there's something else inside here that doesn't like that anymore. Had a friend at work get fired this week. And he reached out to me and a a few other people in a text message and told us, hey, man, they they let me go and just want to tell you guys I enjoyed working with you. And he he went through a couple of things. And there was, I think there was like eight of us on this text message, right? And about half an hour later, you know how how when something first happens to you, you try to respond like the right way, right? So he he was nice and, hey, you know, this is what happened. About half hour later, he was pissed. So he started sending these crazy messages, talking bad about all the people that work for the company and posting pictures and all this different stuff, right? And of all the eight people that were on there, he says, hey, Vaughn, I didn't realize that you were still on here. I apologize for the things that I said. You have plausible deniability. And then I went on there, I was like, man, that's awesome that you acknowledge me. Leave conversation. <laughs> I, thought, I thought two things about it. One. It didn't bother me to leave the conversation because, hey, look, this is who I am, and you know who I am. If we work together, if we church together, if we play family sports together, you know who I am, and I'm going to leave the conversation. You can talk bad about me if you want to, but I don't have time for that. (laughs) Number two, I thought it was cool that he actually acknowledged that and apologized to me out of everybody that was on the text message. It's not glory to me. What it means is that, man, there must be a new heart in me. There must be a new mind in me. There must be something that God is doing that is recognizable, not only to me, but to other people. It was a strange, surreal experience. And it gave me encouragement that in the areas that I'm still exhausted, that if I just continue to pursue Christ, I'll find rest. There's more he wants to do. More he wants to do. This scripture said a few things. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Do you look at sin as something that's inevitable that you can't overcome? Or do you look at sin as something that's dead that you have to resurrect if you want to get involved in it? It's dead in my life. But if I want to do that, I got to go digging through the trash and digging through a grave and find her number. I got to go digging through the trash and digging through the grave and find that connect that can hook it up. Is it dead that you have to resurrect? Because that takes a lot of heart and a lot of effort to pull that back into your life. But if it's just inevitable and you're walking around like, it's just going to happen eventually to me, it's no big deal. I don't know that you've been baptized. 
It says we were baptized into his death. We have, in the church, we don't talk like this. We want to sanitize the blood of Christ like it wasn't a real cross and those weren't real wounds and it wasn't real blood and it wasn't real spit and it wasn't a real scourging where he ripped his skin off. We want to sanitize it. And then that's why we sanitize our walk with God. What do you mean I got to die to my old self? I'm going to another church where I can be whoever I want to be because I'm free in Christ. Buried with him. Old man crucified with him. We died with Christ. We believe that we will live with him. Death no longer has dominion. I'm telling you, I was at a funeral yesterday, and for the first time, I felt like, man, death has no power here. <laughs> death has no authority here. Right. These people are not afraid. Yeah. These people are not depressed. They understand that this is part of this life, but we're entering into the next life. Yeah. Even a husband, as hard as it is for him, he breaks. We'll be talking together on the phone, and he'll just break. We'll be eating a meal, he'll say something about his wife, and he'll just break. His heart is broken, but his spirit is strong. In closing, I want to share uh, a story with you guys, a scriptural story. And I'm struggling between two titles, so I'm going to put it on you guys to, to decide what you want to title this portion of scripture. The first title is Philip Meets a Rich Man. The second title is Philip Kills a Poor Man. So you guys get to choose. This is Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and it's a desert. So he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Wasn't there something about the, the word of God being sharpened in a two-edged sword and the only place that you can find peace? He's in this chariot reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? The spirit speaks to Philip, Go over there and overtake the chariot. The spirit speaks to Vanessa, Don't ask your boys to help. You make the food and pray over it. Is this an old, outdated book, or is it God doing what he always does? He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then Philip listens, and then Vanessa listens, and then I don't listen. <laughs> Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I understand unless somebody guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Think about this. There's this man in a chariot, came from a long distance. He's sitting there. He wants to understand, so he's reading Isaiah, and he's literally reading about Jesus. A lamb led to the slaughter, silent before his shearers. He's so close to Jesus, but he doesn't know it. God sends somebody to give him clarification. He says to Philip, who is he talking about? Is Isaiah talking about Isaiah or is he talking about somebody else? 
You know how many people are so close to knowing Jesus that are right next to you somewhere in your life, and all you have to do is tell them who he really is? They're so close. Maybe you're one this morning who's so close, and somebody's telling you who he really is. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at that scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. This man was not going to pass over this opportunity and become poor. He came from a long way away. He he came to worship. He didn't find the rest that he was actually looking for. And now he's on his way back home. And he just has this one-on-one conversation, right? And because he mixes the word of God with faith, many of us have heard the word of God, and that's all that happened. Philip's in this, in this chariot with this man. He says, this is what God says. That's talking about Jesus. This is what it takes to be saved. This is what it means to be baptized. He mixed what he heard of the word with faith. He said, well, if that's true, I want to get baptized right here, right now. If it promises peace, if it promises transformation, if it means that I have to die right now, but I can be raised in newness of life, I don't care what they say when I get back to Candace. I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care if I have to live differently. If what you're telling me is true, I'm willing to give everything for that right here, right now. They stop the chariot, and he gets in. And we watch. People get baptized. And people get baptized. And people get baptized. And we're faithless. Which means we're poor, because we pass over opportunities repeatedly. So did Philip meet a rich man, or did Philip kill a poor man? See, we like to look at people in the church that are blessed by God and and serving God and experiencing the benefits of God, and their family is being restored, and their kids are being raised up in the faith, and we're like, oh, that's just a rich man. No, that's a poor man that died, and God made him rich, and God gave him peace, because we all start poor. (laughs) We all start without God. Nobody has anything with God that is not available to everyone. Last story. This is Acts chapter 2. Peter's preaching a message to a bunch of non-believers. And watch what happens. You get to choose the title here as well. Your choices are Peter's got a shank. (laughs) And your other choice is I'm drowning you because I love you. You should read your Bible and you get to name the stories yourself. You have your own highlighter, write whatever you want to write. So Peter's got a shank or I'm drowning you because I love you. Acts chapter 2 verse 36, I'm only going to read four verses. It says, Peter's, remember Peter's preaching this message. All these unbelievers, they don't understand, but he's preaching and telling them who Jesus is. In Acts 2.36 he says, God has made this Jesus, the one I'm telling you about. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified... Both Lord and Christ. Isn't that, isn't that a trip? He says, you crucified him. 
Is that fair for me to say to you, if you're unsaved in this building, you crucified Jesus. If you're saved in this building, you crucified Jesus. We get offended when people talk like that. Peter was not afraid to tell people the truth. Just because you didn't know you were doing it, just because you didn't think you were doing it, just because you didn't live in that day and age, believe me, you crucified him. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You know why? Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, or excuse me, and, and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So here's these people. They hear the word of God. They're cut to the heart. And instead of passing over the opportunity repeatedly again, right, so that they could be poor, they say, what do we got to do? We see this opportunity today. What do we have to do? He says, repent and be baptized. Many of us are afraid of baptism because we know it means that we're going all in. We're not ignorant. We know what it means. I don't want to do it because then I got to go all in. Then I got to really be about it. Then I got to really read and pray. Then I got to call somebody and say, hey, I'm about to do something stupid. Help me. If I don't get baptized, I don't have to make that call. I can do whatever I want to do. We know it means that we're going all in. We see people who go all in. What I see is the people who go all in with God. They fight the daily fight, the weekly fight, the monthly fight. Those people, the people that call me when they're in the middle of drama with their wives, the people that call Mary when they're in the middle of drama with their husbands, right? The parents that call and say, I can't say this to anybody else because they're going to hold it against me, but I'm about to choke one of my kids out. Like the people who are really doing it, who have refused to go back, they go from being poor to being rich. For some of them, it takes weeks. For some of them, it takes months. I'm watching people where it's been taking years, but I watched them gain wealth. They were poor, just like I was poor. I wasn't broke when I came to God. I was in debt when I came to God. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, every way that you could possibly be poor, I was poor. But what he does is says, if you go all in, I'll make you rich. I'll make you rich beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your wildest imaginations. Your heart gets changed. Your spirit gets changed. Showed up at the funeral yesterday, and I'm a pallbearer, and there's this older gentleman, older white gentleman. I'm a relatively younger black gentleman. (laughs) How you doing, sir? Doing well, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm a pallbearer. Uh, I think maybe I'm supposed to get some white gloves. He was like, that's just something black people used to do back in the day. I was like, hold on a second. (laughs) Man, I got to preach tomorrow and everything right now, Jesus. (laughs) But it didn't even offend me. Like, I was just like, oh, really? I didn't even know that. He was like, yeah, I think that's something to do with germs and what they, you know, what they thought might happen if you touch the body and stuff. I was like, well, that's that's interesting. So what you're telling me is I don't need gloves. And I thought to myself, man, when I was poor, this would have been a problem. 
Thank God I'm rich in spirit. Thank God I'm rich. I'm not even offended. It doesn't even bother me. I'm going to tell the whole church about it tomorrow. (laughs) These people who heard the word of God from Peter, and it could have been offensive, you crucified him. You did it. They weren't offended. They said, listen, we're poor and we want to be rich. They received the Holy Spirit and it, it empowered them, right? To just lay down their life, to die with Christ, to get that rest that's followed by peace. <clears throat> the people that are getting baptized this morning, they didn't just accept Jesus. They didn't just say, hey, when's baptism Sunday? I want to do that. Listen, I'm telling you, we've watched these people serve God. We've watched them truly give their life to Jesus. We watched them go through courses, not just one, but two courses to get here, Right? devotionals, conversations, reading a book, like a textbook. They've got their own Bible, but a a full-on book that they had to read and wrestle with. But you know what it is? It's the Spirit of God, right? That sharp-edged sword, right? Slaying them, and they're never going to be the same after today. Never going to be the same after today. They've had to ask themselves if they're ready to die, right? It's no show for friends. It's no show for family that does not last, I'm telling you. None of us, I think I'm going on about 14, 15 years serving the Lord. And if it was about friends and families and shows, man, I would have quit a long time ago. This is something real between me and God. Laying down the old life, putting it to rest, right? And being raised in the new life that promises peace. Isaiah, would you come? I want to pray, just talk for one minute before we get into all the excitement of, uh, of the baptism. If you just bow your heads with me, just begin to talk to God. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's alive. He's powerful. He knows your name. He knows your situation and circumstance this morning. He says he knows the number of hairs on your head, right? He knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. And he says this. I've been giving you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity just to come to me. You are heavy laden this morning. You are bearing burdens that are too heavy for you. You are exhausted. You are tired. You've been doing it for too long. He says this morning again, I say, come to me and I'll give you rest. Not just enough rest to get through another work week. Not just enough rest to be strong enough to keep fighting that battle in your relationship, but true rest and true peace that surpasses understanding. The kind of peace that is not heightened or reduced because of the number of dollars in your bank account. The kind of peace that is not affected by your relationship status. He says, I have something for you that you can only get from me. You get to choose if you want to remain poor or if you want to be made rich. Who this morning would say, man, I can't pass up this opportunity again. The poor are without hope because they're without Christ. But right here, right now, he says, you can have me and you can be rich. (laughs) 
The same words that Peter said, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your savior, you've never said, listen, I need you, God. I want to be forgiven. I want to start over. I don't want to fix what's broken. I don't want to go back and make right everything that I've made wrong. I just want to start over. God says that's the only way. You can be born again. That's why it's called born again. You start over. The old is gone. You die to that life. Jesus comes in. He says, I will send my spirit as confirmation. You don't have to trust Pastor Bond. You don't have to trust the stories of other people. You don't have to trust the emotion of what you're seeing and experiencing in the life of others today. He says, I will send my spirit into your heart, creating you a clean heart and a new heart and a new mind. You will know that you're saved. But first, you got to take a step of faith. You can't please me and I can't give you the rest if you don't believe that I exist and that I have it for you. It's a step of faith this morning. If you're here, heads are bowed, eyes are closed between you and God. He's offering you riches beyond your wildest dreams. If you're not saved but you want to be, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around between you and the Lord. I want to give my life to God today. I thought I came to hear another message. I thought I came to support somebody else, but apparently God wanted me here to get a hold of me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're sitting right now? You're not saved but you want to be. You don't want to remain poor. Don't pass up this opportunity again, please. Anybody else? You feel the Lord. Others can be talking and not paying attention. They can do whatever they want to do, but you can be saved. You can leave change. Anybody this morning, just raise your hand. I can see you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else before we move on? I see you, brother. Thank God I see you, brother. <laughs> he sees you. He see you. He knew today was your day. He saw you when you woke up. He saw you on your way here, my man. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I pray the same way that you've called others out of darkness and into your light, that you would do that for this brother, Lord God. I pray that the same way you sent Philip to minister to that Ethiopian eunuch, he was just stranded on the side of the road and you saw him and you sent someone. Send men and send women to this man this morning, God, to help him, to encourage him, to strengthen him, to keep him going towards you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that we could be witnesses again of your love and of your power, Lord. When there was no church here, Lord God, when there was no service in this building, Lord, you saw this day. And if only for this man, you would have done it again, Lord God. We see you on the cross dying for him. And we're so grateful, God. So grateful, God. Anybody else this morning, before we move on, it's your day too. It's your day too. You feel the Lord. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. For the rest of us, <clears throat> if today you feel God telling you that there's a future baptism in your life, <laughs> I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. Matter of fact, why don't we all stand? Why don't we all stand? We're going to worship for just one song. And then we're going to get into uh, the baptism for those who are going to be baptized. But before we do that, can we give the Lord a hand for the man that gave his life to Jesus this morning? Man. Listen, I got to be honest with you because you've got a lot of brothers and sisters now, not only here in this place, but all over the world. But I got to be honest with you. This morning, I was with the leaders uh, in my office, and I wasn't stalking you guys on Facebook, but Facebook was open. 
because somebody had sent me a message and before I clicked on it I saw this brother and his family and he had posted a picture saying me and the family on the way to church I showed one of the other leaders and he said man I could see a glow on him He told me, he said, look, you could see it. You could see the joy in him. And I said, something's different. (laughs) Something's different. Because I remember seeing him before. And then look, why would the rest of us stay poor when we could be rich? If you're here and you've never been baptized, but you know that that's what God wants you to do, we definitely are not going to put you in this water today. But I do want to pray with you that God would show you what that means and why it means what it means and encourage you that it is the right decision, encourage you that it's God speaking to you. But you got to take a step. You know, when, when the Ethiopian eunuch was in the chariot and Philip came running up to the door and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless somebody tells me? Remember that part? He didn't have to let him in, but he did, right? He could have said, oh, no, man, I'm okay, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll deal with this later. You are in the same position right now. You're in the chariot, and God is asking you, do you really want to understand? Do you really want to take a step? Do you see this in your future? If you do, let me in. I'm going to ask you if that's you. If you would just come forward, we want to pray with you. Because we do, we believe that it's letting God into your chariot. You can stay there and tell God, you know what, it's okay, I'll I'll take care of this myself. Or you can say, Philip, come on in. Come on in, let's talk about this. Help me get where it is that I really want to go. Because right now, I'm going to start this chariot back up and I'm headed back to Candace. (laughs) Man, don't start your chariot back up and go back wherever you've already been. If baptism's in your future, would you come forward? Hallelujah, Lord. Give them a hand as they come. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? Anybody else? Either you've never been baptized and you know that it's in your future. Maybe you were baptized and you didn't really understand what it was, so you know that there at least needs to be a spiritual baptism. Amen. Would you come forward? Anybody else? Hallelujah, Lord. Maybe you've been baptized. And somebody convinced you because you were a baby and you got baptized, God is going to disown you if you do it again. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you got baptized, you didn't know what it meant, and you didn't ask God for you to be able to die with him and be raised with him. Man, you're still poor. You just think you're rich. Anybody else that would say, maybe you'll never get into the water again, but you want that spiritual baptism? You want God? That's what happened to me. I got baptized. I knew it was the right time. I was only saved for three months. It's been 15 years. But after going through what we've been going through here in this church, I asked God, would you spiritually baptize me again? I want all of it. I know I got some of it, but I didn't know enough to know what was available. So God, I don't need you to get back in the water, but I do need you to baptize me again with all of it. If that's you and you've already been baptized, but you want more of that spiritual baptism, would you come and stand with those who are up here this morning? Amen. Amen. We see you. Anybody else? Hallelujah. For those, who, uh, for those who are actually getting physically baptized today, isn't it wonderful to see, right, that instead of just your day, 
God's using your day to make it their day. That's how God works. So worship team, would you come? We're going to sing one song. We're going to pray for these people. Pray for yourself. Um, and we're going to trust God here. Lord, we thank you that we're no longer slaves. We thank you that we can be set free. We thank you that we can be washed clean, Lord. We thank you for those who are here that are saying, there's a day in the future. It may be uh, weeks away. It may be months away, Lord God. But they see that day where you've ministered to them and you've taught them, Lord. And they get to make a conscious decision that they're ready to die. They're ready to lay it all down. Anything they have, any debt they have, any resources they have, Lord, they would lay them all down and say, we want to be with you. We want to be raised in newness of life. We want to start over, Lord. We thank you for those who are here at this altar, Lord. Would you minister to them? Would you bless them, Father God? We thank you for those who have already been baptized and say, we want more of you spiritually, Lord God. Tired of the milk and they want solid food, Lord God. A, a, a minimal amount of understanding, Lord. It's not enough for them anymore. They want to dive in, Lord. They want to get into your word, Father God. Bless them. Strengthen them. Don't let them get tired at the end of the night when it's time to read, Lord God. Let them wake up with excitement and joy and get into your word, Lord God. Let it be a real relationship with you, not a relationship with a church or a building, Lord God, but a relationship with you. You are alive and powerful, Lord. We thank you for their boldness this morning, Lord God, to let you into their chariot. We thank you that they didn't run and they didn't walk away, Lord God. When Peter spoke and he told them, you crucified Christ, they didn't run. They said, what do we got to do? I thank you for those who are here that would say, what do I need to do? And I'm willing, Lord. Empower them and bless them. Encourage them, Lord God. We love you and we thank you. Let's worship. Let's spend some time, just a few minutes, and then we'll get into the baptisms. Amen. Have your way, Lord. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.